As Latter-day Saint leaders, we face very difficult conversations that put us at risk of saying the wrong thing that can do more harm than good. Many of these conversations relate to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Have you had a fellow board member come out to you about their LGBT identity? Have you had LGBT neighbors and you just don't know what to say to them, so you ignore them instead? Have you wrestled with balancing love for your fellow men while still respecting the doctrines of the restored gospel? In order to help, Leading Saints has put together the LGBT Saints Library with more than 20 presentations featuring individuals who have a unique perspective or expertise around this topic. Three of the most popular sessions are available now to watch. Simply text the word LEAD to 474747 to start watching now, or visit leadingsaints.org LGBT. Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation, much like this podcast. We have articles at leadingsaints.org you should check out, a weekly newsletter you should subscribe to that also has unique content. So let's jump into this week's episode. Today I'm connecting through the powers of the internet with uh, Barb Venema from, from Kearns, Utah. Is that right? That's right. And that's your, your arrivals. I've grew up, I went to Granger high and Kearns high was sort of our rival. So, but we'll, we'll be friends for now. Right. Okay. My son <laughs> beat your, your tennis player every single time. Oh my goodness. Here I'm we go. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> nice. Uh, and, and Barb, I love you. You know, we've had a chance to meet a little bit and, and talk and I just love your energy and you're currently serving as a primary president. And I think your energy, I mean, you have has anybody ever told you you were just born for this calling as a primary president? Um, the patriarch that gave me my blessing, <laughs> so it's oh, cool. kind of been my place. I have been serving s- since I was 15 years old. When 50 years ago, 50 uh-huh. years old, they called me to primary. My dad was the bishop, and that's when primary was at four o'clock in the afternoon after school. You know. Uh-huh. And in the 50 years of service, and it's really, it's been 50 years, that sounds crazy, but like 35 of it in the primary. Wow. Wow. It's where I belong. And you love it there, right? You're not getting tired of it? The bishop asked me every week if I'm burned out. And I say, well, I had a week to recover. I'm okay. (laughs) I'm okay. Nice. And and we have some great principles here that we'll we'll go over, uh, but maybe just you know, with your this current calling as being called as primary president, what do you remember from that experience of being actually being called? Um, I was already in primary when they called. I was the music leader and the bishop called and asked me if I could meet with him. And I didn't want to because music, the music leader is my calling of my heart. And that's where I wanted to be. Uh-huh. But he said, will you take care of my kids? And how can you say no to that? Of course I will. I will love them and I will hug them and I will, I will do that. Yes. Nice. Here I am. And how many years ago was that then? Four and a half years. When we divided our ward and we were put into this new ward and that was 12 and a half years ago. And the first week, my husband and I, empty nesters, were called in to uh, teach a primary class. We taught for four years, then we did music for four years, and now I've been primary president for four and a half years. So 12 and a half years straight in primary in this ward. I yeah. tell people I've been in the Relief Society room five times in that, and three of them were to give primary announcements. So I I don't know that part of our church. I only know yeah. my area. 
And, and do, you, do you miss a little bit of that as far as that Relief Society experience or have you just gotten used to it or any, any tips on maybe those who have you, you been in what? primary a long time? Um, it is what you make it. When I was first moved into this ward, it was a hard transition for me. They didn't know my history. They didn't know my kids and they were all gone. They weren't ever going to know my kids. And, and I, they didn't know me and I didn't know them. I knew the kids when I had my change of heart and started to go to the activities and started to introduce myself, you get what you put out. Yeah. And if you choose to not be part of that, that's on you. Hmm. If you choose to, you know, go to ward council and say hi to the, the Relief Society president and ask her what you can do and how you can involve your sisters better. And if you make that effort, you get the return. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, as I mentioned, you put together a list of some principles that maybe have uh, helped you through your time as a primary president or things you've you've picked up along the way. And so let's jump into these and, and see what we learn. And, and maybe just for perspective, like how would you describe the demographics of, of your primary and how, you know, those types of yeah. things? I have um, about 40 to 45 kids. So we're a small primary. We only have five kids in our nursery. It's a it's a small ward. Mm-hmm. Newlyweds and nearly deads is what we call it. Uh-huh. <laughs> the old and the very young. But 40 kids that are active and come pretty regularly. Yeah. And would you say there's any unique like challenges or unique characteristics that that, that cause you to adjust the calling at, at all? No, we're a very diverse community. We are not we're very diverse, and I love that about us. Yeah. We speak a couple of different languages in our ward, and we have different colors, and that's a nice thing. It's good for our kids. It's good for our community. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's jump into these uh, principles. The first one is, he knows your name, so know their name. I think that comes to our, our Heavenly Father's model Sister Dalton gave a talk a few years ago called He Knows Your Name. And in the beginning, she said, can you imagine how amazed Joseph Smith was where he's this little kid and he prays and God comes down and says his name? That is pretty amazing that God knew his name. But that was his model. He said, Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee. He said, Moses, I have a great work for thee. He knew Abraham. He knew Sarah. He knew Emma. He knew Mary. He knows their names and he knows my kids' names. And so should I. If my heavenly father can remember their names, I need to be able to do that too. I have a little guy in my primary. His name's Zion and he's five years old and he has this um, sensory processing disorder. And when they explained it to me, it was like, He can be over there and you say, Zion, it's time to sit down. And he'll walk in a circle and say, am I doing it? Am I sitting? Because his brain doesn't tell his body. He can't command his body what to do. So put that aside for a minute. And let me tell you that I needed three primary teachers. And my presidency and I talked and we pondered and we discussed and we turned in three names to the bishop. The bishop did his thing. And Sunday, three sisters were called and set apart. And Monday, my second counselor and I are sitting in Sister Hamp's front room. And I don't know Sister Hamp. She moved in during COVID. 
I've never spoken to her. We didn't know who she was, but she had been coming to church and this is who needed to teach this class. And I handed her her bag with the manual and the gospel art kit and the band-aids, you know, everything you need for primary. And, um, and then I went through the class list and I got to the end and I said, and this is my Zion. He has what's called sensory processing disorder. And that means, and she does this. Do you know that I work in an elementary school with autistic and sensory disorder kids? Oh, cool. What? Because I didn't know that. And my bishop didn't know that. But my heavenly father, he knows Zion. And he knew that. And if I learn how to hear him, then all the pieces in my puzzle will be put together properly. Yeah. His name. He knows my kids and he knows yours. Yeah. And that's like a, such a simple starting place, right? That Absolutely. sometimes you'd be overwhelmed with all the responsibilities, but one thing you can do is, is learn their name. And that goes for not just primary, but for any leadership. Absolutely. right? And pray for them by name every day. I pray for them by name every day. And as I do my capacity to love and understand the crazy inappropriate C and the little quirky L and all of the little, little, overly enthusiastic Henry's my capacity to love them is greater. And my ability to see them through the savior's eyes is greater. Yeah. Pray for them by name every day. Nice. And that leads into your, your the next principle is see the children through the, the savior's eyes. Any, anything else or routines you have to. to oh, you know, how, how do you do that? How do, how it, it's hard sometimes because you look at them and think, I need duct tape for this calling. I need <laughs> Velcro on the seats. I need, there, there are things I've asked my bishop for that he just shakes his head and goes, no, that, no, you know, but, but when I take a step back and I look at him and think, I know the savior would just gather this kid up and he would crawl into his neck and, and he would be the one the savior would bless. This is my job, my job to make him feel that. I can yeah. do yeah, that's great. Uh, next principle is uh, be flexible. What, what do you mean by that? You know what? It, this, the church is different than it was even four years ago. The gospel is the same, but the church is very different. We are changes. And you need to step up and not be afraid of those changes and make them. Run the program the way people downtown who have been inspired have set it up and quit trying to hang on to the traditions in the ward the all of the great to be eight and the primary graduation and and the big productions at um, baptisms those things quarterly activities those things are not a thing anymore hmm. they're not a thing don't don't try to keep doing them get out of that box and step forward and recognize that every single thing you do is going to become a tradition and some primary president's going to have to fix it if you don't do it right from the start. So, you know, help her out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then that could be something where uh, by the time somebody gets any calling, there's sort of these traditions built up and you wonder why they're there, but the last person did it. So you feel sort of obligated. You have to, and, and you don't, you don't, there's so many things like the great to be eight thing, you know, it's supposed to be this big, huge thing. And, and it's not the children and youth personal development program has taken that away. 
and we need to step up and take it away and do it the way it's supposed to be. And, and baptisms, you know, when COVID hit, everybody was saying, oh, these poor kids and we can't have, you know, these 75 people and the lunch in the cultural hall after anymore. And, and they, they're just losing out and they're missing out. But I tell you that the baptisms that I have been through from COVID, the intimate, tiny little, just your family and the bishop and the primary president with the six-year-old giving the talk and the mother being the witness, there has been nothing more spiritual. And the event became about the ordinance and not a production. Yeah. And I hope that never goes away. Yeah. Anything else in regards to, you know, the adjustments you made during COVID, ideas you tried, things that, uh, you know, to keep things moving? Because the primary really didn't have much at oh. all. You know? Oh, you know what? Our, our, our primary didn't even miss us. We shut down uh, just right before, well, conference. So we had our conference packets already um, in to give out in March for April conference because we had traditionally given them a conference packet that they could take home. And during conference, they can do all of these things while their parents are listening. And, you know, they can play the games, the candy bingo, all of that kind of stuff so that they are sitting down in front of the television and watching the prophet. It's hard for a four-year-old, but if you've got a crayon and, you know, or your Play-Doh or whatever, you can do it. So we had our packets already. And so instead of handing them out at church, I got a paper route and I learned every single house of the primary kids in my family. And my husband would drive me around and I hang them on the doorknob in little bags for them. So they had their packets. And then I thought, okay, so this is what we're going to do. And we went through the lessons and copied the, the handouts and did a little thing and put a little candy in it, did whatever. And every single month we hung these on every door, any, every primary door in our ward. Um, and I would put it on our Facebook page, primary packets are coming. And so the kids would be at the windows and they'd be really excited and they'd wait at the doors for them. And we, in all of this research, we found three families that we didn't know lived in our ward. We started leaving things in our do not contact families. We, we couldn't talk to them, but hey, let's get primary into them this way. And we figured, okay, the worst that could happen is they call the bishop and say, people are leaving stuff on my, you know, <laughs> they didn't, they were happy to get stuff. Um, we improved our numbers and, and honestly, we didn't miss a month. The kids didn't, and we were kind of ahead of the curve. We started, we did closing exercises during sacrament meeting so that a child would come up and give a talk and, mm and an article of faith and our closing song. Um, we did that in, in our sacrament meetings so that our kids were involved. Our kids didn't skip a beat and they'd send me pictures on our Facebook page of primary around the kitchen table. I kept telling them we're having primary. It's just around your kitchen table. It's just not in the room anymore. It's, it's at your house. Teach your moms and dads. There's, you're having primary in the kitchen. And, and they did. And they'd send me pictures and they they send they post pictures of what they did for their handouts, how they colored them or how they made them. And and the whole board was in on it. They we all did it. Yes. Yeah. So it worked for us. It, it worked. 
And how's the transition been now that uh, I assume you're back to two hour church and, and we uh, back are to back to two hour church and yeah. um, it's wonderful. And they were so excited to come back. We have been back for music time since January um, after sacrament meeting. We just had, we went to the primary room and the primary kids got to sing for 40 minutes. Um, and then, and then, so it was a real easy transition to just add class to that. Oh, gotcha. We started in July or yeah, we started, I guess, in June with two hours. Yeah. And is there any advice you give to like your, the primary teachers as far as helping them, you know, engage with the kids or, you know, know their name or any, any uh, advice you give to them directly or. I'm incredibly blessed in that I have the strongest people in my ward working in the primary. And I tell them all the time, the reason you are here is because you are the strongest people in the ward and my, my kids need to hear it from you and they need to know you and they need to love you. My primary teachers were at their door once a month the whole last year. In addition to our my packets that I took around, my primary teachers were doing their classes as well. They're completely engaged. And I feel a sense of urgency. There's an urgency to teach these kids. This is a difficult time and they are going to face things that we can't even fathom. And if we don't make them strong right now, we're going to lose them when they're teenagers. We're going to lose them when they're young adults. And that urgency, I think, translates to my teachers. They understand the urgency that I have and they have it too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next uh, principle, and I think you, you mentioned this a little bit with flexibility, but just accepting change. Uh, anything else that you'd like to mention for around accepting change? I think that it's hard. It, it's hard. And, and it's even hard for me when I look in my primary closet and I see the, the past, the gospel in action booklets and the, and the manuals and everything when they started to come follow me and they came to primary and they said, just throw everything away. I think that was the best advice because it, be done with it. It's not, don't go through the pictures. Don't go through the, just throw it away because we need to move forward. These kids are learning from the scriptures, directly from the scriptures. When I was in primary, I got the, the story of the little girl who, Paid her tithing, so she got her red shoes. These kids don't get those stories. They get direct from the scriptures. Let me read this to you. These are the Savior's words. And the kids understand them. And they get it. And my primary kids can tell you about atonement that I didn't understand until I was in seminary. They get it. And they sing it. And they believe it. And they feel it. And if we don't move forward with the programs that they give out, if we hang on to what was easy and what we know, if we don't dive into it and figure out the new way, we're hurting them. We're holding them back and we can't do that. Yeah, that's really helpful. Let's see. The next one you have is uh, have a sense of humor. And it seems like you, you have yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my kids are so funny. Honestly, you know, it's Sister Venema, Sister Venema, I'm changing to five on my birthday. Oh, are you? Are you going to change? <laughs> I, yay for you. You know, yay. We love you. And we're building temples out of Play-Doh. And Adric looked at Thackers and said, yours looks like that doom temple. And I'm laughing, going, oh, my gosh, yes, it kind of does. <laughs> 
I want these kids to know that there is this place where they can be and and feel and know that they are completely loved, completely accepted, completely understood. Because I'm telling you that in five years down the road at junior high or high school, there's going to be that day when every single person hates their guts and they are not going to want to be there anymore. And and in that moment, I need them to hear the soundtrack. I am a child of God. The Lord needs valiant servants. Build an ark. I need them to play that. And I need them to remember where they got the best hugs, where they got the best laughs, where they got pure joy. Because if that will get them through that moment, then we've got them another day. Yeah. I remember one. Oh, my goodness. Um, my first sacrament program, I was not good at. I learned a lot. My second, I was so full of myself. I thought, oh, this is so great. My kids are ready. The program's ready. I checked the back of my dress. It was not caught in my underwear. I was ready for this. And I was walking from the primary room to the chapel with the music stand. And a mom walked by me and stopped and turned around and said, oh, just a heads up. Adam learned how to flip the bird yesterday. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so crash, my, my confidence is gone. My calm is gone. And I am trying to figure out who can sit on Adam's hands during the next hour because he's a six-year-old with no sense of appropriate humor. Right. I have a six-year-old son, and I completely understand that. You you understand. (laughs) Um, I am proud to say no birds flew during our second program. (laughs) But that did not stop my heart for a week. I I, I laugh. I laugh now. I laughed then, but it wasn't a real ha-ha laugh then. (laughs) It was a holy cow, what do I do now laugh, but... They're funny. And I tell my kids all the time, you have my heart. You are so funny. And, and one raised his hand two weeks ago and said, I think that's why we're, we're, I think that's why Heavenly Father loves us more than like, you know, the adults. Okay. Yes. I'm sure that's why I'm sure because you are funny. I love you to pieces, you know? Yeah. Yeah, That's great. That's awesome. So any, um, uh, any sacrament meeting, uh, you know, primary program tips and tricks, I mean, uh, that you've learned over the years? The best thing we did, um, the absolute best thing we did was to make the teachers step back and the presidency step back and let the let the kids do it all. They introduce it. They stand at the mic and help the little kids. They they do do it all. So so when I'm building my program, um, the music leader and I sit down and we talk about the songs from each month that that she wanted to teach and that we want them to know. And, and we just put that, set that in stone. These are the songs that we're going to do as the kids give their talks through the year. They know now it's really cute. Um, They'll give their talk and then they turn to me and hand it to me because I write their name on the back and that's their sacrament part. They've given that talk already. They know it. Oh, I see. And I just find a place for it to fit in the program. And then at the end of, you know, in September, when everyone's going, how do you write a program? Mine's written. Hmm. They, and um, and I, I, I look at, I've got them here. I, all my little talks that I've 
And it's so cute to see their handwriting. It's wonderful. And I just copy it and hand it back to them and say, this is your part. Remember when you said it and they've already practiced it. They've already. Ah, yeah. So throughout the year, I mean, you are developing the program as people talk in primary. Yes, because that's our theme. That's what we're, that's what they're learning. And if they choose to go off whatever and, and talk about their broken arm instead of, oh, that's okay too. Yeah. That's okay too, you know. Wow, you yeah. can fit anything in, and and then I'm not stressed. Nobody's stressed. We're just doing it. Yeah, because it's not a production. I learned that my first year. I thought I was supposed to be this big, and it's not. That's not it. It's um, it's the kids sharing what they've learned, and it's um, it's their testimonies, and it's there, and it's not on me. It's theirs. Yeah. Yeah, that there's so many layers to that, that not only does it make your job easier, I mean, we'll take that every day, too, it becomes a more sincere uh, share of their faith because Absolutely. they've already processed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. They've already told me about the time when they couldn't find their shoe and they said a prayer or they couldn't, you know, whatever it is that they gave their talk on. That's their reality. That's their truth. That's their testimony. Well, you go ahead and share that. The ward needs to hear you say that. Yeah, that's cool. Anything else in relation to primary programs? You don't need a Saturday program. You don't need a Saturday practice. Okay. (laughs) Quit taking away from family time or from even primary time. You don't need a practice. You need one time that they can sit and walk from their chair to the microphone and learn that those four steps. That's it. Yeah. It's not a production. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. Really helpful. That's the big thing. Um, the last principle you put here, which I, I think is just intriguing. I can't wait to hear you expand on this is uh, handbooks versus Facebook. <laughs> okay. There's this wonderful Facebook page called Latter-day Saint Primary Presidencies. And it is it, there are thousands of members of presidencies on this Facebook page. And some, some president will post a, a newsletter and someone will post her program that she did and someone will post their activity that they had. And, and I think a new president can look at this and think, oh, I'm supposed to be doing this newsletter and this activity and this thing. It can be overwhelming. (laughs) Only does newsletters. And that's great. Thank you. I'll copy her newsletter and put it on my Facebook page. That's awesome. Thanks. She doesn't do this and this and this and this and this. She does that. But when you look at it, you think, oh, that's one more thing I'm supposed to be doing. And you you do this. And then they get all caught up in, well, our word does um, great to be eight. And we do it. You know, okay, that's great. Do that. Or someone will get on and say, how do you organize your, don't ask Facebook. <laughs> Go to the handbook and it will say, this is how you organize your classes. And this is what is required of you. And you'll find that there are a lot fewer things than this, 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 and this. And you'll find that your ward family is more grateful in the end because it's less. Go directly to the source. Asking, you know, quit throwing it out there. Yeah. And it's really in the same vein as sometimes we have these traditions, right? That's been going on for years, right? That's exactly it. And and 
I remember uh, serving in the state presidency and, and doing our first round of ward, ward conferences. And we made a very conscious choice as a state president say, where we said, let's imagine we know nothing about mm-hmm. how a ward conference goes. And we're just going to go to the handbook and see what we can learn from there and then go from, you know, creating right. at that point. And it was amazing how different it ended up and how more simplistic it was. And you know, it was wonderful. And so the same thing goes for callings, right? That saying I knew nothing else about this calling and I just had that section in the handbook. What would it look like? Right. Read the handbook and stay with it. And then and then quit saying, well, it works better in our ward. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> this this works everywhere. Apply it. Yeah, yeah. The and I said that they have printed this. And I need to be very clear. This goes for leading saints as well. Even though we have this great resource and people share ideas and things, the last thing I want leading saints to be is is this place where people feel overwhelmed or like, man, I'm not right. enough. Right. As, Barb sounds awesome and she's so much better than me. Like, no, we're just sharing ideas, sharing yeah. experiences, and uh, and you bring yourself space. to that calling. It's yeah. a it it's a that's probably the most important thing that I would leave uh, a primary present. Well, there's two, but that you bring yourself to this calling and Heavenly Father knew what would happen when you were in this calling. He knew you could handle it. He knew you would navigate it. He knew he, he knows. So don't compare, do your thing and and be you that's going to affect your children better than anything else. And all of this, all of the know their names and accept the change and have a sense of humor, that's great. But all of it boils down to love those kids. Yeah. Love the kids. Yeah, really helpful. Really helpful. I want to ask as far as, uh, you know, over these years, there's I often hear from primary presidents or other organizational leaders that there's sort of a passive aggressive relationship with them and the bishopric as far as getting people in place. I mean, any, any feedback or thoughts or um, as far as that relationship between the primary presidency and the bishopric and how do you make that work? Um, In the beginning, every single time I would ask for someone, I would also send him the quote from Dallin H. Oaks that says, that the strongest people should be teaching primary because, uh, you know, and, and I, I totally just say, see, see. Um, but at this point, I have a really supportive Bush bishop, and um, he's been with me throughout my, my tenure, and he recognizes that if we are really strong with these little kids, he won't have as much problem with the teenagers. Hmm. And and he's awesome. Yeah. Bishop Brick is really, really, really supportive. I've got someone in there every week. Um, my kids know who they are. They love them desperately. We had a, on Father's Day, we had our second counselor in there and his wife leads the music. And she did that activity where he's wearing a tie and however good they sing, they cut off the tie. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, he's going, but it was my favorite tie. And we cut four inches Little Sunbeam is crying. We get in that's like six or seven, and he raises his hand and goes, My mom has a sewing machine. You know, they're so bad for Brother Horton. And um, they love him desperately. And I I love that. 
and he, he went home with a tie that was this short. It, <laughs> it, it was traumatic for some of them. <laughs> nice. But any they other, do know her. Any no. other random uh, activities or traditions or things that you have that maybe a future primary president will have to end, but that you're really enjoying right now? <laughs> I would encourage them as the kids are making transition from class to music time or from music time to wherever to be singing. I think that helps them. Now that we don't have the gospel in action, it, there's no no goals that say learn the articles of faith. Um, although that's a great goal for them to set, and we don't have check marks anymore, they get to set their own goals. This is a really good way to help them. So when we transition, we sing to the articles of faith. Um, any question anybody ever asks them in their whole life, what does your church believe? If they know those 13 things, they got it covered. Hmm. Um, I think that's been a real positive. Uh, nice. So it's, that's like, as uh, maybe they're going from their classroom into primary, they just start automatically hear the music. Yep, and... start, they hear the sixth article of faith and they're singing it. Oh, last month, holy cow. Last month we were working on the sixth article of faith and I had a little boy come in and he said, I'm really excited to give the article of faith. He was in our closing exercises. And I said, oh, that's great. And then he didn't say anything else. We do our singing time. It's his turn to get up and give the article of faith. He did it in Spanish. Now, he's not a Spanish kid, but he learned it in Spanish. To, and I, my jaw dropped and everyone just is grinning because I'm going, what? What? <laughs> piano, the, the pianist is looking, what's he saying? It's Spanish. How awesome is that? Yeah, that's cool. A dual immersion in, in school. And his parents thought this is a good way to implement this. And he learning the articles of faith in Spanish. Yeah, um, yeah that's awesome. I love it. I love it. That's cool. Any other uh, principle or concept that uh, we didn't hit on you want to make sure we, we touch on or do we do we sum it up pretty well? I think we did okay. Good. I, I, I can that. tell you that, that this change to making the ordinances more important. Um, my personal experience with that this year was my grandson turned, uh, well, he's 11 turning 12 this year. And so he was going to get the Aaronic priesthood and Generally, in our family, that has been a big thing, and everybody goes. And you know, here at this time, it was just his little family and Nana and Papa. And we were in the bishop's office because they weren't even meeting that week for sacrament meeting. His ward was doing an every other week thing, and and so he wasn't even he wasn't even meeting that week. But we we're in the bishop's office, and he gets the priesthood, and they sign his recommend, and I give him his lanyard, and he's wearing it, and he's so excited. And we went home to my son's house where my son and my grandson blessed and passed the sacrament to just our family. That's beautiful. Yeah. And again, thank you, COVID, for that experience. But thank you because the importance was the ordinance. Yeah. Yeah. Barb, that's awesome. This has been uh, so fun to chat through these, these concepts. Uh, last question I have for you is, as you reflect back on your time in the primary, especially as a primary president leading in that capacity, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Two things. Number one, I have to keep up. Kids ask questions. Kids want to know. Kids want to understand. I have to keep up. 
And, and, and I know people say, I need Sunday school or I need, I need the sisters. No, you need the savior. You need the gospel. And you can do that through this come follow me. And, and that's really been why the change was, was brought about so that we can circle our wagons and, and take care of us individually. I need to know, and I need to be able to feel they're singing a song and they're, they're singing, Jesus is a God of miracles. And I, and I'm yelling in the background, do you feel it? Do you feel it? Because the spirit is telling me that heavenly father is listening to us. And this is truth. And, and the kids are just belting it out because then it becomes their testimony. They felt it because I said, did you feel it? You can take care of yourself in whatever calling you have. A primary teacher, a nursery teacher, and you can share that testimony and they will hear it and you can grow. You don't have to be president. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask, and that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email, on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense and share it with somebody who could relate to this, this experience. And this is how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. Maybe send this individual an email letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. and. Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to access the three free sessions of the LGBT Saints Library. Of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.